Hello, welcome to Vitech Talks, the podcast. I'm Steve Brandt of Vitech, and this is where we discuss the trends and pressing issues, and certainly the important events shaping the group benefits and retirement industries. With the experts, leaders, and yes, even characters that make our industry what it is. This is a fast, fun way to gain insights and opinions on the topics we all care about. And I'm sure it'll be the best 15 minutes you can spend to keep yourself informed. And I promise, entertained. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Vitech Talks, the podcast. We have a great episode here talking about what we all should be concerned about and always be talking about, even at, at least at some level, cybersecurity. We all deal with it, whether you're a business, whether you're an individual, whether you're a family or someone with a computer or a phone. Um, cybersecurity is now ubiquitous in our society today. We need to be careful with our data. We need to be careful with our activities. There's a lot of bad actors out there who want to take advantage of of lax behavior when it comes to keeping uh, our technological activities, I'll just say, uh, safe. And we all know the password world that we all live in today, so that's all a big part of it. And we have a very special guest here today, Robert Hops, who's the uh, Chief Information Security Officer, boy, that's a mouthful, at Vitech. And as the CISO, C-I-S-O, Rob is responsible for all aspects of Vitech's information security program. He has over 20 years of experience in cybersecurity strategy and programs, technology risk management, regulatory compliance, and cloud security operations across insurance, banking, and cloud native financial technology sectors or FinTech as we know it. Um, so you got the right guy, we have the right guy to be talking to and Rob, uh, how you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Steve. Good to be here. Always good to talk about security, something near and dear to my heart. Perfect, perfect. And uh, it's great to see you. It's great to have you here. So thank you uh, for coming. So look, I wanted to kind of start the conversation a little bit. Just, you know, I said cybersecurity is ubiquitous to us all, but, you know, sometimes it's good to go back a little bit and and, and discuss a little bit about how it all kind of came about. How long have we been at it? you know, kind of the evolution of cybersecurity. And then certainly, you know, what got you interested in it? Because I think it takes the, the right individual to want to be a big part of the cybersecurity world. As exciting as everything else is in technology, this has its own excitement. It's just different than everything else, right? So yeah. kind of the underpinning, the, the safety net of the whole industry. So, but if you could start with a little bit of history on, on cybersecurity and then how you got involved in it, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good question. And, you know, that's uh, a, a fairly long history at this point. And so um, my travels with cybersecurity, as I said in the intro and, and reading out my bio, um, you know, well in excess of 20 years. And, um, you know, really how I got involved is I've really always been involved in security one way or another. I started off uh, essentially my technology career, you know, working with, you know, data center infrastructure teams, uh, you know, decades ago and, um, you know, can have a pretty vivid recollections or memories 
of you know kind of the first you know big you know virus events um i could still name probably the first uh, malware kind of incident that i ever saw and you know really that leading to increasing kind of discipline and focus around things like patch management vulnerability management and so um in working in you know technology operations right and really any any walk right uh security you know has a role and so uh for for many years you know i ran infrastructure teams uh evolved my career into you know the virtualization generation within data centers so that was kind of a seismic shift and where you had to think about uh you know uh security a little bit different um and then cloud computing you know uh within the last you know five, five to ten years and um you know managing you know everything from development teams to site reliability engineering infrastructure it things along those lines um always had security as a as a major component of my responsibilities um several years ago i had an opportunity to kind of pivot and really focus on security in a chief security officer role in a in, in the banking industry and uh so i jumped at it because security has been always something that's been very interesting to me um, and primarily interesting because uh, it's dynamic, you know, it's never the same every day. There's a different set of circumstances, right? There's uh, new challenges, new threats um, and new technologies that really have to be accounted for um, that make it interesting. And so that's uh, one of the things that while, while you said it's, it takes a, a special type of person because uh, sometimes it's, you know, uh, can be filled with um, a little bit of con confusing kind of circumstances and needs to uh, you know investigate and get to the bottom of things and uh, therefore you know a little little bit disorienting on on, on occasions. Um, it, it is always rewarding and and um, you know something that I enjoy a great deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the cop on the beat, so to speak, when it comes to the technology landscape, I'm right? Look at it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, always uh, looking to shore up. Uh, our defenses and then investigate and get the causes when there are issues and get them get those crimes solved as quickly as possible um so it's uh it's certainly a, a much needed function um and and look i mean you know there's no shortage of uh security breaches right for 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 you as a chief uh security officer at a company like Vitech or uh, or anyone out there, mm -hmm. you know, individual or company uh, who uses technology, right? So uh, it's certainly not slowing down. What do you what do you look at when you when you think of the greatest threats that you kind of have to think about on a daily basis? Although the one are those the ones you already know about and already covered for or are those the ones you aren't sure what's um, coming. It's always the ones you don't know about that you have to <laughs> have to think about the most. And so, you know, along those lines, um, you know, we kind of think about things in terms of, uh, you know, actual data breaches. You know, we, uh, you know, obviously keep a close eye on those. There's a lot of, you know, regulatory implications and things along those lines. But, um, you know, really looking for indicators of attacks and indicators of compromise and things along those lines so that we can prevent the breaches is really you know, our focus as a, you know, cybersecurity uh, team. And so, you know, we think a lot about the threat landscape, right? The world around us, right? Is, is where those that are beyond our walls and the things that we can't necessarily see, but we have, you know, some things that we do to, to stay up to date and, and again, guard the, the walls of our, our technology and our information assets, which is really what it's all about. 
And so, you know, just as an interesting, you know, point and, you know, thinking about this conversation, I, I did a, you know, a little quick look at some of the research papers that were available out there. And, you know, one leading research firm predicted that the cost of cybercrime is going to increase from $8 trillion this year in 2023 to uh, $10.5 trillion in 2025. That's trillion with a T. So a lot of money related to cybercrime. You know, in there, there's probably a lot of, you know, ransom and where, you know, paid as a result of ransomware attacks, you know, theft, you know, of, of data and monetization. There's probably an all, awful lot of, you know, managing cyber events and liability, right, that companies face uh, if there is a cyber breach or, or something along those lines. And so, you know, considering the historical trends and looking at the fact that many other studies have arrived at similar projections, it's safe to say that the rate of cybersecurity attacks aren't going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. So, you know, it's clear that cybersecurity and cyber criminals, you know, persistence and their sophistication of their attacks are increasing as technology and the interconnected world that we live in evolves around us. And as you mentioned real earlier in the introduction, you know, I think about it that, you know, these days in this digitally connected, you know, world, right, you know, we all have, you know, something we're carrying around our pockets, you know, whether it's email and personal commuting devices, social media, you know, on a personal level, and companies and institutions like ours really, you know, thinking about universally being accessible, right? We have internet connections, websites, applications, we have cloud computing environments, and array of other technologies that are accessible, you know, uh, externally. And so it's important to think about security, not only on, you know, kind of a business level, what do we do for the, the places that we work and our customers that we want to protect, but for ourselves and the people that we care about in our family. Um, the threats to all that technology is really increasing. Uh, some of the things that we've been talking about for years, like phishing continues to grow. Um, it's in frequency, it's becoming more and more common. Um, the impact, you know, when they're successfully uh, phishing people is getting greater and greater, right? In terms of the cost to companies. And the reason for that is that it's easier than ever with some technology changes and it works for them. So they'll continue to fish us more and right. more because and they yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? They continue to have success with the phishing and the ransom. And yeah. although you know, you mentioned that eight trillion dollar number, and that's that's just incredible to hear. You know what I mean? That's all this. It's eight trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about the phishing and the ransom in the individual person. So I'll give you a, a story that it just is mind-boggling to me on a couple of fronts. One, you know, my sister, who's a real estate agent, had her uh, Instagram account. Uh, ha hacked, probably a phishing incident, uh, and seized up and held for ransom. Uh, so she runs her whole business on Instagram, right? She's a local real estate agent. She's doing everything on Instagram. And But they were holding her account up for like $400. <laughs> it's like, it's an $8 trillion problem. These guys wanted 400 bucks. Right. So it was a very right. interesting situation. And she basically didn't pay it. And it mm -hmm. went on for, I don't know, a month or something like that. She was down for a month, but then she ended up getting it back. So it was it was just, I just put that out there because it's a funny example. Yeah. How easy it is to, for it to happen to you. And maybe kind of how, you know, I don't know, unconventional some of these actors can be, right? When you're dealing with them, they don't really, oh, you know, not the most sophisticated bunch in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, and unconventional maybe from, you know, some perspectives, but, you know, when you think about the world of, you know, cybersecurity threats, you have to think about it on a global level, you know, yeah. and you can see, you know, kind of global, you know, 
threat intelligent views and things along those lines, what you see is, you know, most attacks, not all, you know, they emanate from, you know, nations where there's not a lot of law. This one was from, they were from Nigeria. Right, exactly. So Which is a common. Is a lot of money, a lot of money to some. Well, some all is a lot of money from Nigeria. So it's yeah. like, it's like, wow. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I don't want to make light of the problem. But that was just one incident that was, I thought was really interesting when she told me the amount that they were asking for, because I know cities, towns, schools, uh, companies are being held up for, you know, hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars, right? Um, uh, it seems to be an amount, an amount that the, the, the actors know that that institution can afford, right? So it's not going to, they're going to get the money. <laughs> um, and they do have a lot of, um, it seems like, a lot of information to be able to gauge that. What 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 are they going to ask for, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's probably you know a little business person and you know any of these you know attackers that uh, engage in, in in ransomware type of uh, shakedowns for companies or individuals. Uh, they they you know ask for what they think they can get. But one of the little known or, or not very often discussed kind of aspects of ransomware, which is uh, backed up by a lot of research, is um, a significant number of times, even when companies choose to pay, in some cases, large, large ransoms to try to get their data back, they can't get it back because the attackers aren't able to uh, to recover it or decrypt uh, the, uh, the oh. technology, right? It doesn't work out for one reason. And so, you know, these are largely anonymous uh, people, again, in, in places where you can't really engage law enforcement to, uh, you know, uh, you know, holding people accountable. And uh, as a result, it's companies kind of left holding the bag. So, you know, falling victim to a ransomware attack is never a good thing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, paying the ransom is just one of the reasons uh, companies should really, really work hard to try to avoid that. That's just terrible. That's just absolutely terrible. Every company out there should be considering investing in cybersecurity. Of course, if they're not already, and if they are, you know, they should be monitoring that uh, to make sure that they stay abreast of everything. But, you know, what Vitek has a lot of customers, right? Um, we continue to grow. We continue to get more. I mean, what what should they be considering as far as, you know, their investment strategy around technology and software as a service, that type of thing, when it yeah, comes to cyber, cyber security? It's a, it's a really good question. And, you know, dealing with kind of the i'll call them legacy challenges that we you know face as as a larger security community um you know is, is never going to go away so you still have to worry about phishing it's pretty well understood there's a lot of you know kind of technological controls and you know steps that companies can put in place to you know decrease their susceptibility to those types of you know phishing attacks uh, but really understanding the evolving kind of threat landscape and looking for, you know, at, you know, emerging technologies. You know, one of the things that, you know, we're spending a lot of time thinking about right now is artificial intelligence, right? You can't really turn on the news or pick up a paper without, uh, you know, or pick up a paper, look at a website these days, uh, news source without uh, hearing about AI and these uh, rapid breakthroughs or, you know, recognitions of breakthroughs that people are making. And, you know, it's our view that, you know, that's for good reason, right? I mean, we we see that AI has the potential to change our lives in very meaningful ways and for the better. Um, you know, as a, as a service provider, as Biotech, you know, I know our product folks are actively working on a number of things that are, you know, very exciting. 
But like all things that are powerful, you know, it comes with uh, some some implications and some things that we need to think about. Yeah, I mean, there has to be there has to be you know bad actors out there using AI now to try to figure out how to crack the code and become better at absolutely, absolutely better at cracking into the to, to your data, right? I mean, it has to be yeah. right. Absolutely, and 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 you know, for for me, it's it's kind of interesting because you know, for you know, years now. Um, some of the best in breed enterprise security tool providers that we use to secure and protect our environment and our assets on behalf of our clients and, and their members um, have used AI, right, in, in, in very powerful ways. And they deliver great capabilities to security teams like ours to defend those environments. But at the same time, now that AI is becoming um, easily accessible, right, and uh, putting into kind of general use kind of, you know, cases, we're starting to see and hear indications that, to your point, um, you know, attackers are using AI to do things like, uh, you know, re reconnaissance for vulnerable systems, right? That again are accessible and find uh, quickly find ways to exploit those systems, right? Where they wouldn't have had, you know, the ability to do that before. Um, we think about things like, uh, and I know it's been well covered by media, but. You know, this notion of using AI to generate deep fakes, right, either voice or image, you know, kind of fakes and the implications of that it has for uh, authorizing access to systems, right, or logins right. when you have to call or, you know, uh, do a video chat with uh, with somebody. So, um, yeah, AI is a very, very important evolution I mean, and it's already landing in the world of security for sure. Password protection, right? I mean, uh, you know, people have been doing it for years, you know, just running combinations of passwords to try to get the right hit, hit the right one mm -hmm. what what can ai could probably do that in you know fractions of seconds where before it took maybe longer it must be infinitely easier to do with an ai machine figure out password patterns yeah. and things like that and yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, what you're kind of alluding to is, is something that we uh, security uh, folks call a, a brute force attack to try to guess passwords and things like yeah. that. So we have, you know, some compensating and some controls in place to to try to prevent that, you know, from when it happens. But to your point, uh, the ability to crack right uh, passwords um, is is certainly going to be enhanced a great deal by the power of AI and and uh the kind of massive computing power that it, that it really represents yeah no kidding jesus it's, it's totally scary and then you know from a commercial standpoint and a private standpoint everything moving into the cloud right so what does that mean right when you talk about you as a information security officer at nitec uh or anybody who's using you know cloud tools which is which is all of us because now so much of the protection that we expect is done by somebody else, right? Amazon or Microsoft or, and, you know, changes kind of the landscape there, right? I don't know if that makes it better or worse for everybody, but. Yeah, I mean, our, our possession is that, our position is that it, it definitely makes it uh, better, right? Yeah. And, and uh, but, you know, like everything, there's a few caveats and, and considerations. You know, chief among them is, you know, understanding uh, who's doing what. So, you know, we kind of refer to it and, you know, consistent with some major uh, cloud service providers, we refer to it as shared responsibility model. So, you know, what are the things for security that I have to do and what is my cloud service provider doing on our behalf? And so having those, you know, clear and documented alignments 
and you know making sure that we're keeping an eye on the things that uh, that people are doing on our behalf and that we're also making ourselves available for you know uh, our clients to see what we're doing right to secure environments on their behalf so really comes out of that shared responsibility and kind of alludes to this notion of having a a larger community or ecosystem around us that has to uh, deliver but you know it's our view that uh, you know some of these uh, you know cloud uh, service providers are able to scale and deliver you know quality security services that you know really are unachievable for a lot of other companies yeah. and so, you know and when, I tell you what it's been go ahead. it's made you know it's made my job uh, from that perspective a lot easier right because you know you're in the cloud you're with AWS or whoever it is check the box in a lot of ways whereas before they had to spend a lot of time testing our security right? right our systems you know now a big part of that is just taken care of because it's in the cloud and everybody understands and kind of knows what that means right then it's how are we accessing it what are we doing to you know yeah. protect that layer below but it is it is this kind of uniform acceptance mm -hmm. that there's a level of security already before you even start having the conversation right which is kind of yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think along those lines, those service providers like AWS deserve a, a lot of credit. You know, they've yeah. made massive investments and been extremely committed over the years uh, to deliver uh, quality security services. And so, as a result, you know, most people are satisfied that they're going to, you know, get good results there. Uh, but again, you know, making sure that you know, understanding again the things they do and the things that we're responsible for—that's really the key. And I think where you know sometimes it, it's not just a you know, the easy button or you, you can't throw the keys at them and kind of walk away, right? And, right. and operate in the environment. You have to have, you know, again, good uh, insights into, you know, where your your roles kind of drop and theirs pick up. Yeah. And, you know, in the ever increasing complications of software, SaaS software, AI, I mean, you name it, all those things that we're utilizing. That just increases that second layer of complication that, that we have to deal with um, every day, right? Um, so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what do you think is the most important factor in a successful security program? How do you look at that when you put one of these together and managing it? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a, uh, another great question. You know, it, when you think about security, um, you know, it can seem a little, you know, ominous, you know, let's face it, there's, you know, hundreds of, you know, discrete security controls that, you know, some industry frameworks, you know, define and and, and good security programs align with. Um, there's a lot of details, right, to think about when it comes to security. But for me, it really comes down to or comes up to this notion of uh, community, right? So, you know, most well-developed and mature security programs are going to do a good job with the table stakes, right? The security foundation, running the tools, operating the controls, putting their response plans in place and testing them. But it really boils down to, again, that sense of community and working across, right, uh, various uh, stakeholders and partner groups, right, clients, uh, least senior leadership has an incredibly important role to play. Um, you know, members, consumers, right, regulators, right, are an important uh, player in our industry. 
understanding, you know, what their expectation is, and then, you know, making, you know, demonstrable kind of uh, evidence available, right, that the things that we're doing are in place, that they're effective, and that we're committed to them is, is really key. So sharing that information across the community, engaging folks in conversations, being open, right, to feedback and constantly, um, you know, taking that and, and, and rolling it into, you know, improvements, and kind of plans and strategies and things along those lines is, is is probably the most important thing from my perspective. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And keeping yourself educated, I'm sure you you belong to a lot of publications, get out to different uh, trade uh, events, and are always kind of scouring the landscape for the latest and the greatest, and uh, which is probably a lot of fun actually, uh, but uh, fun part of your job. So, well, this has been great, Robert. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I think I think it's an important topic that because we have people like you who do such a great job, you and your teams, you know, we don't think about as much uh, on a daily basis. Um, and so it's nice to have a moment where, you know, we can focus on it and, and really get your perspectives like this. So I appreciate you taking the time today. It's been a great conversation, very enlightening. Yeah, always um, good to today. talk to you, Steve. Any final words that you'd like to share with the with the audience? Um, I, I think just just that uh, you know the commitment to security I think is one that you know has to be kind of you know made and um, you know uh, contemplated you know periodically. It, it's you know you mentioned that um, you know good security programs you know are often measured by things not happening, and so it's important right that we are able to as as security leaders. Um, to have frank and honest conversations and put things in perspective about the value that we're bringing with the investments that are being made for companies. And I think that's really, you know, one of the keys to, you know, helping continue to drive, you know, improvement and again, evolution, advancement um, and maturity right across the security program is, uh, you know, regardless and, and, and when things are operating correctly, uh, showing and demonstrating that, uh, that those things are working well is, is, is very important. Absolutely. And you heard it right from the horse's mouth. And certainly we would not be a successful company at Biotech if we had uh, our clients having data breaches because of our own uh, our own doing. So it's essential for our business and very important. And it's been a pleasure having you here today. And that's it for another uh, episode of Vitech Talks, the podcast. Look out for our next episode over the upcoming weeks.